0: This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Let me, um, some of you have come up and asked about resources for studying the Bible. Um, I'm going to have some uh, volunteers passing out some flyers that we have here. How many of you have heard of Army Bible Camp? Okay, looks like uh, um, a good portion of you have. Uh, and basically what Army Bible Camp is, it's a traveling school that teaches how to study the Bible. Um, it's five days. Uh, we have different speakers come in, and these different speakers share their, their secrets of how to study the Bible. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to equip the, the laity with the tools that you need in order to break open the scripture for yourself. And so, um, you know, if any of you are interested in, in coming to an army camp, it'll, it'll revolutionize the way you study the Bible. Um, how many of you saw something new in the book of Ezekiel that you hadn't seen before? That's the kind of thing that we're doing at Army Bible Camp. We're taking uh, obscure passages. We're, we're laying out principles of how to use the Bible, how to study the Bible, showing you how to use a concordance, you know, giving you Bible software programs or sharing Bible software programs that will help you uh, in, your, in your study of the Word of God. And you can also go to the website. We have material, audio material on the website uh, that you can uh, download uh, that will instruct you on how to open the Word of God for yourself. So uh, if you're not able to make it to an army camp, uh, we do have resources available online that you can use and you can get started right away with digging deep into the Word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So, um, we're going to uh, conclude with the message I've entitled it, The Fourth Decree. The Fourth Decree. Um, And it's a very uh, special message to me because this message will, will, will let you know really how close we are to finishing the work. Uh, on top of that, we're going to look for Jesus again. Is that okay? Yes. We're going to look for Jesus again in the scriptures, and we're going to see him through the scriptures as we're building to this, uh, to this final conclusion. Um, again, seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us, not only in our personal lives, but also as we study the word of God. Those two things need to be... Uh, Uh, high on our list, the Holy Spirit working in our lives and the Holy Spirit uh, empowering our study of the Word of God. So, we're going to begin with um, the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 5. Daniel, chapter 5. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again we ask that you would speak to us And Lord, as we open your word, show us Jesus. Show us your love. And Lord, show us how close we can be to your coming soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Daniel chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So, what's going on here? Belshazzar is having a feast. And in this feast he commands that the vessels, the sacred vessels of the temple are brought and they begin drinking out of these vessels. Um, What is he doing? He's desecrating the vessels of God, right? He's actually mocking God. That's what he's doing. In the meantime, outside the city walls is a man by the name of Cyrus. Cyrus. Hold your place here in Daniel, and let's go to the book of Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, verse 27. Isaiah 44, verse 27 Let's look at verse 26. It says here, That confirmeth the word of his servants, that performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah, ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof. That saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, thy foundation shall be what? Laid. This verse is speaking of Cyrus and what God had prophesied that he would do. That he would dry up the rivers And if you go over to chapter 45, verse 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. So what's happening here? God has spoken that Cyrus would open the gates and would dry up the rivers. He's talking about what kingdom? Who is Cyrus going to overthrow? Babylon, right? So get the picture here. Here you have uh, Belshazzar. He is drinking, I mean, he is uh, mocking the vessels of the Lord. Um, he's having this great feast. And the reason why Belshazzar is so comfortable is because... Babylon is a heavily fortified city. In fact, I'll read to you from Prophets and Kings. It says, Babylon was besieged by Cyrus, nephew of Darius the Mede, and commanding general of the combined armies of the Medes and the Persians. But within the seemingly impregnable fortress, with its massive walls and its gates of brass, protected by the river Euphrates, And stocked with provision in abundance, the voluptuous monarch felt safe and passed his time in mirth and revelry. Get the picture? So he's just like, yeah, whatever. He knows Cyrus is outside the city. Where is Cyrus? He's outside the city. Now, what does Cyrus do? Cyrus decides to divert the river Euphrates. And what happens is that uh, they, while they divert the river, Cyrus descends into the riverbank. The gates have been left unlocked, unlocked, and so Cyrus enters in through the gates. Now, <clears throat> um, Cyrus descends into the riverbed. Did you notice back in Isaiah 45 that uh, Cyrus... Well, I I just need to save that. I have to set you up for this. Daniel 5. Daniel 5. Just about that time that Cyrus has descended into the riverbed and opened the gates. The Bible says in verse 5, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote... Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that his joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. Just like God had prophesied. He's trembling. Verse 7, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And you know, he's calling everyone to bring them in. Uh, no one can read it. Read the writing. And then notice with me chapter chapter 5, verse 24. Daniel comes in, you know, and Daniel is about to give the meaning of what is written on the wall. Notice what he says here. Daniel, chapter 5, verse 24. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. This is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, tekel you farsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many. God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Sekel, thou art weighed in the balance, and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That was the end of Belshazzar's kingdom. Now go with me to 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36, verse twenty. The Bible reads here, now in the first year of Cyrus, King of Persia, the word of the Lord that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation. A what everyone? A proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth has the Lord God of heaven given me, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him do what? Go up. So, let's recap. Belshazzar is having a feast. He is mocking the vessels of the Lord he feels like he is safe he is in an impregnable place but in the meantime outside the city is cyrus cyrus diverts dries up the riverbed descends into the riverbed opens up the gates and enters into nebuchadnezzar's or into belshazzar's domain or his kingdom his kingdom is overthrown and the captives that was Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the Jews were then given this decree by Cyrus, you're now free, you can go and build Jerusalem. Or at least begin the process of building Jerusalem, in particular the temple. Belshazzar is the king of Babylon. I believe that Belshazzar would serve as a type of the true king of Babylon. That would be Satan. And uh, we know that Satan, who appears comfortable in his kingdom... Would, would one day have an event that would change everything in his kingdom. So is there anything that we can think of where, where Satan uh, uh, was maybe mocking the vessel of God? <laughs> yes, yes, bring Jesus. It's party time. We have him right where we want him. Bring him. So, so here, the king of Babylon is Satan, and he is mocking Jesus before his people. There's something that he doesn't realize. You see, outside the city, outside the city. Do you remember when we read about Cyrus? Did you notice anything interesting about Cyrus that we read in Isaiah 45? How he was called shepherd? And then in 45, it says, thus saith uh, the Lord of Cyrus, and then he calls him my Anointed. The word anointed indicates Messiah. So could it be that Cyrus is actually a type of Jesus? So get the picture. Satan thinks he's comfortable in his domain. He's got this game wrapped up. He's going to win it. But outside the city, (laughs) outside the city, there is Cyrus. You're going to make me get excited alone. Okay. I'll get excited by myself. Cyrus dries up the riverbed and descends. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Cyrus <laughs> is outside the city. Jesus was taken outside the city. And while Satan is comfortable in his domain, thinking I've got this thing wrapped up, little does he realize that Jesus is about to dry up death and descend into the riverbed and open Open the gates. What did he say? The gates of hell will not prevail. So so he opens the gates and, and oh man, can you, (laughs) oh boy, do you know, do you know how Satan tried to stop Jesus from opening the gates of hell? By the way, what is hell? The grave. Do you know on Sunday morning when when uh, the Roman guards were surrounding that tomb? Do you know what they were trying to do? They were trying to stop Jesus from opening the gates of hell. The Bible says an angel descends and rolls away the stone. He doesn't just roll away the stone. He sits on it. Oh man! <laughs> he sits on it. Do you know how humiliating... Do you know how humiliating? Do you know? I, I I tell this story. I have an older brother. He's six nine. He's six eight. And uh, when I was young, I would always like get into fights with him. And they weren't really fights. I mean, it was a fight for me, but for him, it was games. And, you know, I'd just be crying. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get you. This before I was Adventist. And, you know, you know, I'd be swinging away, man. And, and he'd just have his hand on my forehead like this. <laughs> and he'd be laughing. And after a while, he'd just get tired of me. Then he'd pick me up. He'd put me on the ground. And then he'd sit on me. <laughs> the angel sits on the stone. Death. You have been conquered. So, beloved, get the picture. What what is holding you in bondage? Whatever is holding you in bondage, just remember the picture of that angel sitting on that stone. Cyrus says, you're free. Go. (laughs) Just as he had given the Jews that decree, you're free. Go. Go about your father's business. So, Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection says to us, what are you still doing here? (laughs) You're free. Go. But it gets better. It gets better. Not only does Cyrus, Jesus, descend into the deep. Not only does he penetrate the gates. Not only does he Open the gates. You'll remember, you'll remember that at the very time that Nebuchadnezzar, that Cyrus was gaining his victory, that Cyrus was entering into the city, you'll remember that the Bible says, in that hour, a hand appeared and wrote on the wall, Now, Daniel comes in and he gives the interpretation. Let me read it to you again. Daniel chapter 5, verse 26. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. It is finished, your kingdom. Finished. Yes, it is finished, your kingdom, Belshazzar. (laughs) In the very hour that Jesus is gaining his victory, he cries out on the cross, it is finished. It's finished for you, Satan. It's a done deal. Done. But it gets better. Because just as an unseen hand appeared in that story, Daniel 5, can anyone else think of an unseen hand? (laughs) An unseen hand Appears in the temple and rents the veil. Jesus in the scriptures. (laughs) Are you with me? Listen to this. this. By the way, when when Nebuchadnezzar or when Belshazzar saw that, heard that, uh, um, I mean, saw the hand, he knew that it was his death knell. Listen to this. Listen to this. The cross of Calvary, while it declares the law immutable, proclaims to the universe that the wages of sin is death. In the Savior's expiring cry, it is finished. The death knell of Satan was rung. It's great controversy, page 503. Listen to this. Bible Commentary, volume 5, page 1109. It was not the hand of the priest that rent from top to bottom the gorgeous veil that divided the holy from the most holy place. It was the hand of God. When Christ cried out, it is finished, the holy watcher that was an unseen guest at Belshazzar's... at Belshazzar's feast pronounced the Jewish nation to be a nation unchurched. The same hand that traced on the wall the characters that recorded Belshazzar's doom and the end of the Babylonian kingdom rent the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom. I don't know about you. Heartburn. <laughs> so, so, uh, 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 and by the way, Satan's loins were loosed. Had to throw that in there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Satan's loins were loosed. Definitely loosed. So, so what we have from here out is Cyrus has given a decree. Now, now, how many decrees were there given for the total project of rebuilding the temple. How many of you know how many decrees were given? If, if you remember the title of the sermon, then you should know that there are four decrees. The title of this message is the fourth decree. There are four decrees, okay? So, so I want to take a look at these decrees. So decree number one, by the way, let's go to Daniel 9, verse 25. Daniel 9, verse 25. Listen to what the Bible says here. Daniel 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So, here's what we find that there were four things that were to be done uh, according to these decrees. Uh, The temple was to be rebuilt. The city was to be rebuilt. The street was to be rebuilt. And the what? Wall was to be rebuilt. Okay? Very good. Keep that in mind. The first decree is given in the book of Ezra. So let's go there very quickly. Ezra chapter 1. And you're going to want to follow very closely. Don't fall asleep. Ezra chapter 1. beginning with verse 1. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord might be, or by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and he put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all the people? Let his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. So, the first decree brings attention to a desolate sanctuary. What does it do, everyone? Brings attention to a desolate sanctuary. Okay? Um, In this first decree... If you go to Ezra chapter 2, verse 64, Ezra chapter 2, verse 64, the Bible says here, the whole congregation together was 42,303 score beside their servants and their maids of whom there were 7,337 and there were among them 200 singing, singing men and singing women. So there were about 50,000 Jews that went up, uh, went back to Jerusalem in this first decree. How many Jews? 50,000 that went up in this decree under Cyrus. Now, let me ask you something. At Seventh-day Adventists, what decree do we recognize as the, the, as the decree to start the 70-week prophecy and, the, 12, and the, uh, the 2300-day prophecy? What decree is it? The third decree given by Artaxerxes. Okay, very good. Now, don't, if you don't know that, don't worry about that right now. Just kind of hold that in your, in your mind and remember that, okay? Now, uh, under this decree, Zerubbabel was one of the leading factors in this, in, in this project under, under Cyrus' decree, which was given in 536 B.C. The second decree is given by who? Who knows? Darius in 520 B.C. and is found in Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. Ezra 6, 6 and 7. Bible says, Now therefore, Tathniah, governor beyond the river Sheth- Shethar Bosni, and your companions, the huh, which are beyond the river, be far from thence. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governors of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in its place. The reason this decree was given was because there was opposition to the work of God's people building the temple. Are you with me? There was what? Opposition. So this decree was given uh, almost uh, against the enemies of God's people. You with me? All right. So the third decree is given in Ezra chapter 7. So go with me to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7, and let's look at verse, um, verse 12. Artaxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of God of heaven, perfect peace, and at such a time, I make a decree that all thy people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee. Okay, let's uh, look at verse 25. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in thine hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of thy God and teach them that, they, that teach them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him. So, this third decree is given by Artaxerxes, and in this decree, Israel uh, or Jerusalem gains its autonomy. Right? They become uh, uh, their own kingdom again, and, and there's a uh, uh, mention of the law of God, and those who don't keep it should be punished. And then there's a fourth decree. This decree is given once again by Artaxerxes. Now, I know you're probably thinking, this is really boring, Pastor. Please, you'll be very upset in a little while if you miss what I'm saying here. Fourth decree is given by who? Artaxerxes. So watch this then. The third decree was given by? And the fourth decree was given by? So the fourth decree and the third decree are really one and the same decree. You with me so far? Okay. This fourth decree, Nehemiah is the one that leads out this work. And uh, you understand that Nehemiah, as he uh, as he is given this decree, the reason that this, this decree is given is because the work had begun to lag. Okay, Nehemiah thought the work was going, the work was about to be wrapped up, and then when he gets news that Jerusalem is laying uh, uh, desolate still, that, that many of the walls haven't even been built, he is discouraged, he is downtrodden, and, and Artaxerxes gives him this final decree that says, go ahead and wrap the work up. Nehemiah goes, he surveys the city, he sees that, the, you know, the condition of the city, he says, look, let us not be a reproach anymore to God. Every day that that work was not finished, they were a reproach to the cause of God. There were four decrees. Is anybody thinking with me? A decree is a proclamation. How many angels' messages? There are three angels' messages, but then there is a fourth angels' message. And the fourth angels' message is really a part of the Third angel's message. So, watch this. The first angel's message brings attention to the sanctuary of God. Are you with me? Remember, uh, uh, the church itself had gone through a period of 1,260 years of captivity. Babylon experiences a temporary fall. And Cyrus comes to his people and says, Go, focus on the temple. Okay, did you just just get that or did you miss that? Let's do it again. For 1260 years, the church was in captivity, in bondage, in hiding. But at the end of that time, Babylon receives a temporary wound so that the people of God are able to go free. And Cyrus, who is Jesus, says, Go, my people, and begin to restore the temple that babylon itself had cast down okay now you may need to hold on to the person next to you because you might fall out you might fall so just brace him brace her are you ready are you ready are you ready, are you ready? Take a wild guess. How many people were involved in the preaching and the following of the first angels? Just take a wild guess. 50,000. Do you remember? Do you remember how many people went up in that first decree given by Cyrus? You guys are looking at me funny. (laughs) Second decree. The one by Darius. It was given against the enemies of God's people who were attempting to hinder the work. Second angel's message Babylon is fallen. Third angel's message. Jerusalem gains its autonomy. Jerusalem gains its autonomy and has its own set of laws. It's now its own independent system. You realize, beloved, the Adventist church did not start as an Adventist church. <laughs> It was a group of people from all different denominations who had come out and gone up to do the work of building the temple. And after they realized, wait a minute, first angel's message, second angel's message, after they realized, oh, we're going to be here for a while because we have the third angel's message to preach, oh, maybe we better become our own separate church. Maybe we ought to become, what are we going to call ourselves? Hmm. Let's call ourselves... Um, Seventh-day Adventists. Beloved, it was under the preaching of the third angel's message when the Sabbath was introduced, the law of God. And by the way, just as the third decree makes a pronouncement upon those who refuse to keep the law of God. The third angel's message... You guys are so excited. You're silent. (laughs) The third angel's message is a warning against those who refuse to keep the law of God. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, I did all that to bring you to this point. You see, beloved Praise God for Zerubbabel and the work that he did under the first decree. Praise God for Ezra, the work that that these men did under the second and, and the third decree. Praise God for all those guys. Praise God for Ellen White and James White and all those who came before who were part of those first three decrees. Praise God. But you see, by the time we get to Nehemiah, something strange has happened. You see, Nehemiah is looking back and it has been 13 years since Artaxerxes' decree. 13 years and Nehemiah gets the word that the work is not finished. Our church has been here for 167 years. <sighs> Every day that the work is not finished, we are a reproach to God. Adventists in 2020, a reproach to God. What shall we do in 2025? A reproach to God. The longer the work lays desolate, lays in ruin, the longer we are a reproach to God. So watch this, Uh, uh, under these decrees, notice what's going on here. Under Artaxerxes and under uh, under the first three decrees, the, the city and the temple are being rebuilt, but it is Nehemiah, Nehemiah's job is to complete two things, the street and the wall. We've already got the sanctuary. We know the sanctuary. We understand. I hope we understand the sanctuary. We've got all that down, but the street and the wall, this is what needs to be accomplished. What is a street? What is a street? What what, what, What is the purpose of a street? To lead somewhere. It's a way. It's a way. You see, beloved, I believe that the work that is to be accomplished under the preaching of the fourth angel's message is that God's people must become so familiar with the way. God's people must become so familiar with the way that when they are asked to go out and share with someone the way, they know the way. You see, there are people who are in Babylon. The word Babylon means confusion. They don't know the way. So God is trying to prepare a people who do know the way. (laughs) That means, beloved, we've got to know the way here, and we've got to know the way in Jesus. When we know the way, we can tell others the way. But not only was the street to be rebuilt, meaning that you and I need to gain a knowledge of the word of God so that we are able to share the way with others at the drop of a dime. But the wall must also be built. Well, what is the wall? What is the wall? Here's something interesting. Um, Do you know that Nehemiah himself, is a type of Jesus. Did you know that? As Nehemiah is, is building, you'll remember that the Bible says that he's on the wall and he's building, right? And as he's building, uh, his enemies come to him and they try to get him to come down from the wall. They try to get him to come down from the wall. And if you read the account, Nehemiah says four times they tried to get me to come down. Nehemiah said, I cannot come down because I'm doing a great work. Jesus is on the cross doing a great work. And four times the Gospels record different people saying to Jesus, if you be the Son of God, come down. Four times. Jesus says, I'm busy. I can't come down. But watch this. The Bible says that Nehemiah finished the wall in 52 days. Do you know, do you know that if you count 52 days from the day that Jesus was on the wall saying, I cannot come down, I'm doing a great work. Do you know what happens if you count to to 52 days? Do you know? You must not know because you're quiet. (laughs) 52 days brings you to the day of Pentecost. The outpouring of the early rain. Ellen White says this, The gift of His Holy Spirit, rich, full, and abundant, is to be to His church as an encompassing wall of fire. Christian Experiences and Teachings, page 209, The gift of His Holy Spirit, rich, full, and abundant, is to be to His church as an encompassing wall of fire. Jesus was on the cross and 52 days later he completes the work of building a wall. A wall of fire. The Holy Spirit around his church. Do you understand what a wall is for? Why did cities put walls up? Protection. Beloved, listen to me. The reason why God is holding back the four winds right now is because the wall is not complete. Now, 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 watch this. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Between the decree of of, uh, Artaxerxes and his fourth decree. Thirteen years, okay? Thirteen years. The work was not finished. Nehemiah finished the work in 52 days. Uh, you, you need to just pause and get the significance. 13 years, 52 days. Nehemiah said, okay, nobody else wants to finish the work. Uh, Nehemiah wasn't a he wasn't some great big guy. Nehemiah was a cupbearer of the king. He said, I will go up and finish the work. 52 days. You see, everybody else may have been around like, man, woe is me, I can't believe it. We've been here for so long. Oh, what shall we do? And they were moaning and begoning and all these things. But Nehemiah said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go up and I'm going to allow the Lord to use me. And Nehemiah was able to rally the people and the people together, unitedly, finished the work in fifty. days. Two days. I don't remember the math of it, but if you take 167 years and do the comparison, it would have taken us a little under two years if we had the spirit of Nehemiah. I- I'm not setting any time, I'm just saying, comparison-wise, 13 years to 52 days, a hundred and sixty seven years would be equivalent to two years to finish the work so that God's spirit could fall and we could go home. But here we are. Year after year. Looking forward to another celebration. The Adventist church has been around for Beloved, we need Nehemiah's. We need people who will sense the calling of God's spirit and will say, Lord, here I am. Use me. We need people who will realize that the work of building the wall must be completed. And we can complete it very quickly if we put our hearts to it. The fourth decree is the fourth angel's message. It's the latter rain. We are waiting for that time. In fact, we are living in that time. Who will go up? That's the question Cyrus asked. Who will go up? Who will go up? But I want you to understand the reason, as I'm thinking of this message, I, I, I am hoping and pleading that each one of you will realize that God needs you individually. He needs you as a Nehemiah. He needs your brain. He needs your mind. He needs your heart. You cannot say, we'll let the pastor do it. You cannot say I'll, I'll let you know the, the superstar do it. You've got to realize that the work cannot be finished without you. I'm gonna share one more thought. Just came to mind. I really want to share this thought. Listen. Um, children of Israel, they get out of Egyptian captivity. They cross over the Red Sea. Do you guys remember that? And what did Moses call that? Moses said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Moses. Paul. Paul. Paul called it a type of what? Baptism. Crossing The ocean, crossing the sea, was a type of baptism. Children of Israel, after that happens, they go into uh, a period of time. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. And then they get to another river, the Jordan. On the other side of that river, it's the Promised Land. But before they can enter into the Promised Land, they've got to defeat Jericho. right? And you remember what happened? Um, they had sent spies. Remember, some of the spies came back with what? Evil reports. We cannot go up. We can't take the land, right? Spies came back and they were terrified and they terrified everybody else. There's trouble on the other side. This church The church of God, I'm talking about the New Testament church, was given their freedom when Christ, the Passover lamb, died for them. Amen? And uh, as they are walking on their way to freedom, did they experience a baptism, a Red Sea? What was that baptism? Day of Pentecost. See the parallel there? Just like Israel, Israel of old, Passover lamb, freedom, baptism, Jesus, freedom, baptism. But then the church, just like the Old Testament church, went into a period where they were in the wilderness. Yeah. And, and after the wilderness, we know that, that, that there is something that comes next and it's got to be another river. There's got to be another crossing. And that's something. If the first crossing was a symbol of the early rain, then that last crossing must be a symbol of the latter rain. So where are we as a church? Have we crossed over? No. Are we in the wilderness? No, the wilderness period ended in 1798. So, so, we're not supposed to be in the wilderness, but we're hanging out right before the Jordan. Now, why, pray tell, are we hanging out? Well, because on the other side of Jordan is a time of trouble. Ah, you know, there's trouble over there. I want my kids to be able to experience the wilderness. (laughs) Do you really want your kids to be able to experience the wilderness? (laughs) Kids, do you really want to be like, Mom, I don't want to go to the promised land. I like it here in the wilderness. Do you really want to stay here? You know what happened? The, the Jordan had to, had to dry up in order for them to cross over. And, and, and the interesting thing about this is that what had happened previously was that, you know, uh, Israel sent spies. And um, the spies went over and then they came back and, you know, they gave their reports. And in fact, Joshua had sent spies, two spies, you remember, And they came back and gave their reports. But listen to this, beloved. The river did not dry up until all of Israel crossed it together. So here's what I'm saying to you. We need to stop sending spies. Doug, David, Mark, go. And these guys go over, and then they come back and give us a report, and we're still like, wow, whoa, whoa, sounds scary over there. <laughs> uh, let's see, what other spots can we find? Uh, go. We need to stop this mentality of the superstar. We need to cross together. When the people of God realize that it is together that we finish this work, you know, this is my ministry over here. You keep your ministry right there. <laughs> when the ministries, <laughs> huh? When the ministries? When when? Man, now, I did not know that God was going to tell me to say this. Oh boy. Okay, Lord. (laughs) When the black churches and the white churches I mean, think about it. When, when these divisions, when, when, we, when, when we get rid of the mentality that I'm going to be the one to cross over, my ministry is going to be the one to plow through and, and lead us on through this thing, when we get rid of that mentality and begin to realize that it is united that we cross over, then we will be like that army in Ezekiel then we will be that people that, that are prepared to enter into that time of trouble. And that's what it is. That's what, that's, what it, that's what the Israelites went into. They went into a conflict with the enemies who were possessing the land. And you know, you know how they brought it down? A loud cry. You didn't, get, you, didn't get that, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. You didn't get that. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. They shouted. We need to be ready to shout. (laughs) We need to be ready to give that cry, beloved. And if we do not cross over together, if we continue to send spies, if you continue to have that mentality that God cannot use you, he will not use you. Is anybody's heart burning? Does anyone suddenly feel God's personal calling on you to go deeper in the Word of God? To get connected with the Spirit of God? I hope that that is what has been accomplished here today. Pray with me, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your incredible, magnificent love for us. Lord, we have learned today where we are in this earth's history. We are standing before the Jordan. And you are waiting on us to step into the waters. Please, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for exalting man in the place of God. Help us to realize, Lord, that you desire to use each one of us. Forgive us, Lord, for the separation that we still cling to. Yes, Lord, it seems like the world is even far advanced of us. Black churches and white churches, what is that? What a shame. Yes, Lord, for, for that time, we could understand. But now, the walls need to be broken down. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride. Humble us, Lord, and then use us to finish the wall. Lord, we know that once that wall is finished, you now see that your church is protected and the winds can be let loose, but you can't let the winds loose now because there is no protection for the church. Help us, Lord, to finish the wall so that we can advance. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for loving us. And thank you, Lord, for your desire to use us despite ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.